online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Good evening, welcome to episode 5 of the Wickham Wanderers Show. Four games down in the Championship. Uh, no points, uh, no wins, no goals. Don't say it! But on the positive side, uh, we've still got more points than Sheffield Wednesday. That is very true, yes. Long may that continue as well. <laughs> yes, they're on minus seven, which is, um, you know, it's better than they started off. Well, yeah, yes, I suppose it is. If you, you know, if you were doing the Sheffield Wednesday podcast, what would you now be saying? You'd be saying, yeah, well, minus seven, that's good, definitely better than minus 12. Just two wins and a draw away from... Not, not as bad as Luton that season when they started on minus 30. No. Interesting you mentioned Luton as well, because uh, Luton is the game that, uh, that you were at at Kenilworth Indeed. Road on yes, Saturday. Yes, I was. Yes, there's a big banner up in the corner of Kenilworth Road saying uh, Luton Town betrayed by the FA in 2008, oh. which I think probably is uh, referring to the minus 30 points that they had to start on that particular season. But yes, I was there at Luton. I will give you my thoughts um, on the game. We will also be hearing from Gareth Ainsworth, um, who uh, just after the game I spoke to him, and we'll be catching up with Chairman Rob Kubik, who uh, Phil has been speaking to as well, on his podcast, getting his thoughts on uh, fans in stadiums and the, the financial uh, sort of state of a club, I guess. Uh, we will be hearing uh, from uh, Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust's uh, Head of Health, Sam White, uh, about their brand new doorsteppers campaign. Great stuff in the community as well. Uh, plus, we'll be catching up with legendary goalkeeper John Maskell, who played for the club between 1964 and 1980, uh, barely missed a game, and uh, not only that, but... Um, he uh, he made 753 appearances. That's a lot of appearances. It's a lot of appearances, isn't it? Yes. Is he related to Dan Maskell, by the way? <laughs> I didn't ask. No, sorry, I, I'm going to keep thinking that, uh, just seeing his name. Um, but He's yeah. from the Oxfordshire village of Toot. Oh, OK. <laughs> Not one that I've come across, I have, to, <laughs> I have to confess. Very nice pub there, apparently. So let's kick off with uh, news of Luton, or news at Luton. Um, sort of overall, how did you think the, the, the performance went? Um, so definitely we were in it the whole game. It, it wasn't like Swansea, and it wasn't like the last 75 minutes of the Blackburn game where you thought, yeah, OK, you can really see the, the golfing class between the two teams. This very much felt like a, a League One fixture. Um, you know, we were in it the whole time. We competed the whole time. Um, had a couple of the refereeing decisions gone our way. Um, definitely... You, you do notice in the championship and alan parry said this to me um at halftime during swansea's uh, the swansea game name dropper uh yes yeah, sorry um that well they're not really name dropping because you know everyone sees alan parry around adams park you know and he, he chats to anyone you know in the same way that now the kuhigs do you know if you if you see pete kuhig you know he comes over and has a chat to you um anyway yeah Alan very much said, you know, it, it's, it is going to be just like in the Premier League. If you're a new team in the Premier League, all of the 50, de- 50 decisions, particularly if you're playing a bigger team, you, you don't get them. And, you know, sure enough, time and again against Swansea, definitely, particularly in the lead up to the first Swansea goal, I felt, you know, we definitely should have had a free kick. But no, of course, that got waved away. And similarly, again, at Kenilworth Road, you know, I know Luke never been in the championship for that long, but clearly, once again, they were favouring the team that had been in the championship longer um, because all of the 50 50- decisions seemed to go Luton's way um, and whenever you thought we might have had a free kick it seemed to be just waved away um, by the referee uh, who was Graham Scott who of course is a Premier League official mm. so I think we could have you know maybe felt slightly aggrieved um, with regards to some of the decisions. And there was a disallowed goal of course. Uh, yes indeed and uh, you know I think very we can feel very aggrieved about that because it did look very very close you know as Gareth says uh, as you're going to hear on the, the clip in a minute you know who would be a referee but at the same time they, they are there to do a job it did look 
close. Um, and I think what was even more sort of galling about it was that the referee actually did dangle a little bit of hope um, by, you know, the, the linesman flagged, the assistant referee flagged, um, the, the referee then decided to walk over. And so you thought, oh, you know, po- possibly he's going to overrule his, his assistant referee. But no, of course he didn't. Um, and so, yes, Scott Kashkett's goal did not uh, stand. And of course, then Luton went straight down the other end and scored uh, the second. And that, that was it. Because previously we heard from Gareth after, obviously, Rotherham and Blackburn and Swansea. And there have been some chances created. Uh, was that something which happened at Kenilworth Road as well? Yeah, I mean, we did have chances without really actually ever having a decent shot on target there wasn't really a moment where you thought oh yes you know other than obviously the disallowed goal that you know that was the chance um daryl horgan always looks dangerous where whenever he is involved you always think oh yes you know in that way that we have a cash cat with fred on your you always think oh you know yeah we've got a chance at the moment um so i really like daryl i I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him i think he he is the one that is going to break the duck eventually obviously he's he's got the only goal anyway so far this season because he scored in the Carabao Cup against Brentford um, but yeah uh, long, long may he be on the pitch because Daryl is the one that I think he, he will get the first goal um, if, if I was taking part in a poll I would, I would put his name down we should do that as a poll. We, we should, yes. Yeah, maybe we'll do that for next week's poll because we have already got this week's poll. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll, we'll still be, well, hopefully we'll be, we'll be uh, talking about a goal. Well, we won't be, will we? Because there, there won't yes. have been a game. <laughs> no, that's true. We'll be, that's true. <laughs> there won't have been a game next week because we are now in the international break. Next week's poll, who do you think will get the first goal? Uh, England playing Wales tonight. Yes. Anyone excited about that? I, was, I can't say that I am particularly. Sorry. Because well, no, it's a friendly, isn't it? Well, and exactly. It's, you know, and uh, it's strange how they're now trying to fit three friendlies into the international break. You can just imagine all of the Premier League managers are going to be moaning even more than they normally do. Yes. And some of the championship managers, maybe. And, and definitely the championship managers, yes. You know, and, and, and even after the friendlies, it's only the, the nation's league isn't it of course uh, talking of championship managers uh, as uh, uh, bob alluded to a short while ago he uh, caught up with gareth after the Luton game to get his thoughts gareth uh, you went toe to toe today with a team that is now in the top five in the championship yeah i'm, I'm brilliant you know i think we've played three of the top six i wish so it's been crazy so far um do you know what though um i thought we had chances today i thought we could have been better the scoreline could have been more favorable to us but um now Luton's put it in the back of the net we have to make sure that we do we, we, we can't spurn these chances because uh, we've hit the post twice you know that's soft target and, and two cracking saves from the keeper again we, we've got to make it more difficult for the opposition to score goals we scored one but um, it was a judged offside uh, I don't think it is but it you know uh, who'd be a referee who'd be a linesman you know we conceded two anyway so um you know, it might not have made too much of a difference. Uh, what we've got to do now is make sure that for Millwall we're competitive, and I'll be doing that in the transfer market and with the injuries returning. Um, I think we've got some big players, Ipizu, Akinfen, Gape, you know, Tafazoli, all, all needing to come back into the frame. Um, and plus, I'm trying to bring a couple of players in. I've got some targets, so I can get them. That'd be fantastic. Let's see what happens. Uh, you said uh, who would be a referee. Uh, would you agree that there's a lot of 50 50 challenges that are going against us at the moment, and possibly? We're in that um, situation that so many teams in the Premier League find themselves when they've gone up and actually the, the decisions are going to the bigger clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not allowed to say that, but you've brought it up, so uh, I'll have a look at that and see uh, see what my findings are. But um, yeah, we, we're working wonders in the Championship. People are still amazed. Um, are they giving us the credit we deserve? Who knows? We'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, but one thing's for sure we'll be making the right fight to stay in this championship I'm loving it I'm loving the experiences I'm loving the learning we're getting and uh, just want some of my players now to uh, 
to understand that to be at this level it's it's tough they've got to work on every aspect of the game and, and I've got to work them on every aspect of the game I can't ask for any more effort but effort and spirit alone gets you out of League 1 League 2 we need to work on our quality now we need to work on that hitting the target we need to work on them absolute vital details that come up in games me my staff all the players we're all in this together it'll never be them, them and us ever ever it's always together and uh, you know, I love being the manager and, and you know, I've got a great squad in there they're absolutely devastated but I know they're ready to go again against Mill. It does sound uh, oh, oh, we probably say this each week but really positive to hear Gareth speaking and, and interesting to see that he's got some targets to bring in still Yes absolutely um, and of course that was recorded before Josh Knight came in at her from Le- Leicester City um, he is a highly rated defender um, will wear the number 12 shirt we've only got him until the 3rd of January but that, that's better than nothing Absolutely so hopefully that will reduce the goal count against Indeed yes uh, he played for Peterborough United last season uh, he scored at Adams Park in a 3 0 draw with Peterborough. Uh, it's been a regular in uh, Leicester's under 23 side for the past uh, four years. Um, and so, yes, it'll be interesting to see whether he starts against Millwall. Yeah, definitely. Could be could be an ideal game for him to come in, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you know, I mean, games against Millwall, again, you know, that that's another one you have to look at and you think, well, that's that's probably that's a game that we could get some points from. You know, you, there, there are definitely certain games that you look at and you think, well, yeah, you know, we're going to have to be really, really good on that day to get anything. Millwall definitely is a one of those you know they've they they forever seem to struggle in the championship um and so i think yeah you, you hope fingers crossed we might get our first points because we were looking uh, before we came off came on and october is looking quite well i suppose many of the months are looking <laughs> are looking quite yes. tough but uh, two relegated teams you've got watford and norwich coming up reading of course uh, as well th- uh, this month and i think it's just the brutal amount of games it mm. just really suddenly is you know saturday tuesday saturday tuesday i think there's possibly one wednesday game in there um and yes i know that gareth says well we're used to that we we've had that in league one we've had that in league two where then you you end up playing the efl trophy games as well but clearly in the efl trophy with you know with all due respect to that competition it's one of those if you start you know if you've lost lost a game you probably straight away write it off and think right okay well it doesn't really matter obviously if you're doing well then yes it does give you a chance to get to Wembley but what I'm saying is it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things whereas clearly this year you know it is just going to be championship games all the way through you know obviously we're already at the league cup we've got the FA cup but other than that, you know, our bread and butter is going to be championship league games and they are going to be tough. And as you rightly say, there's two relegated teams there, Norwich and Watford, and that isn't going to be easy at all. No, definitely not. Uh, coming up in a few moments' time, we'll get the thoughts of Chairman Rob Kuig. But first, we touched on at the beginning, uh, we do have a poll uh, this evening, which, uh, which, which you can tell us about the details of. Uh, and it really comes from something that Rob Kuig uh, speaks to Phil about, which is the ridiculous situation currently with regards to that yes you can go to the cinema you can go to the pub and watch football but you can't actually go to a football stadium and watch football um so do you think that you should be allowed in adams park uh, to watch football at the moment all we're looking for is a yes or a no you can take part on at twitter uh, you can find us simply by searching at wickham sound on twitter um our twitter handle i believe it is called is at wickham sound Yes, if you use the hashtag TWWS as well. How's the, how's the poll looking so far? Uh, so, so last time I looked, uh, it was looking at uh, 80% of people currently saying yes, 20% of people saying no. Uh, you have 39 minutes left to take part in the poll. Because earlier on it was a slightly different split, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, so and uh, yeah, we did. We, we had a, a 66 and a 75. We've now got an 80-20 split. Um, be interested in those as well who, who, who aren't comfortable, and that's absolutely fine. You know, I know I've just said it was ridiculous and whatever... I'm... 
completely understand if you're one of those people who thinks, well, no, actually, I don't want to be going to football at the moment. I don't, you know, I, I'm not confident enough. I feel a bit worried with regards to COVID. That's fine. And, you know, and I completely respect and understand people who say that. What I think is ridiculous is just the rules at the moment. The fact that, yes, you can go to the pub. The fact that we're being encouraged at the moment now very much to go to the cinema. And yet you can't go to football and football is outdoors. And you would think, well, it, you know, that, that seems a lot safer. It reminds me a little bit of Boris's thing about cricket, where he suddenly seemed to have a real bee in his bonnet about the fact that cricket wasn't going to be allowed back, and lots of other sports were. And then suddenly, you know, somebody clearly had a little word in his ear, and he, he then said, oh, yeah, OK, all right, you can play cricket after all. And I wonder, I, you know, fingers crossed, I hope that is going to happen, where suddenly we are going to see fans allowed back in. Whether or not that happens, we'll have to wait and see. So let's get the thoughts from the chairman, Rob Kuick, speaking to Phil Catchpole on his podcast, Ringing the Blues. We knew it would be tough, but it's exciting, isn't it? The football is so spectacular. The, the quality of the athletes, the quality of the clubs you play, uh, the, the only regret is that our fans are not able to be there live and see it. The good news is they're watching on iFollow and the various other means and uh, are still being very uh, supportive of the club. The promotion to the championship, you know, in, in these incredible circumstances that we find ourselves in, not just in football, but in life at the moment, um, is it a case of trying to keep the powder dry a bit as well? Because it's an enormous amount of money for being in the championship uh, by Wickham standards. Is it a case of using that money to, to keep the long term, you know, future of the club uh, prosperous uh, rather than sort of spending it now on players to try and stay in a division that's uh, quite a big leap? Uh, yeah. Now, look, we think we can stay in this division. Nothing has changed about that. Uh, but we're not going to go spend money such that in February we're reaching around. You know, I'm I'm prepared. Missy and I are prepared to put money in. But that is not a long-term cure to a club. Uh, the fact that we have got to deal with our fans and some of the fact that they've put up money and the like, we need to we need to be prepared for that. That the failure to allow fans into these games is going to have a crushing, devastating effect that simply allowing government to write a check or the Premier League to write a check won't cure. Uh, so we have to be ready. Phil, uh, I think people have gotten to know me enough to know that in crisis there's always an opportunity, and we're going to have that opportunity. We're going to we're going to use our money right, and we're going to be. At the end of this year, regardless of circumstances, a club that is standing. Uh, and it's my expectation is we'll be standing in the championship league. Even even off that first four games where a lot of fans have been sort of quite blown away by the, by the, the big step up from League One. Yeah, I mean, look, who, if, if, if I'm totally honest, I thought we would have a couple of points by now. But that deviation from what my early expectations are and where we are is so insignificant in terms of a 46-game schedule as not to worry about. What I look at is, is the team progressing? And it is in every measure except production on the, on the pitch. We have gotten more depth. We have gotten more talent. We are cohesive. The squad is solidly together. Uh, and once we get through some of these injuries and the like, I think we're in actually pretty good shape, uh, and we'll have the depth to compete with virtually anybody in the league as we as we move down past this international period.
whether it translates into points or not, I can't predict. That's the one thing I have learned about English football. Uh, you know, in a, in a microsecond, the, the game changes, the points change, it all changes. But what we can do is put in a solid base, and that's what we're doing. Um, and when it comes to finances, I mean, going back to when all this started off, when there was huge debates about whether football could continue last season and, and should the season have been played out, um, we're now seeing the uh, the financial impact on clubs uh, in and around the Football League, you know, the National League, League Two, League One. Um, have Wickham been proved right with their decision to vote against the uh, the not playing out the season, I mean, along with many, many other clubs, but, you know, there's still clubs in League One who are still bemoaning the fact that Wickham, in their eyes, finished eighth in the championship. You know, and I never did understand this claiming that we were eighth when we had played one last game than everybody else. You know, that's just the difference in how we calculate here in America from there. So, yeah, from an economic standpoint, and again, this was the benefit of having been through a disaster myself, uh, in which my entire city had faced similar issues. The first thing you have to do when, you, when you're in a hole is stop digging. And so that's what we were preaching, and, and I think we've been right. We've been, I, I think the second thing we've done that is probably different from some clubs is we have taken some of the new money that we have gotten in, either through uh, advancement to the championship or the spectacular job our commercial people are doing is we're putting it back into infrastructure that will produce revenue. The traditional model is you go out and you buy a, a big-time striker and you spend all your money on a guy who may play a full year for you or five years for you but may just as easily have a twisted ankle and you get no production from it. By us putting our money into things that will ultimately produce revenue without worrying about injury, you know, whether it's it's the entire Wi-Fi of the, of the stadium, uh, the, the new online stores, the worldwide Wickham phenomenon that has actually been sensationally uh, good in this shutdown period, it allows us to build a revenue base that will be allow us to be sustainable in the championship and, and begin to lay the basis for even better days. So there's, there's great work going on um, around the stadium. I mean, I'm lucky enough to be able to get to match days. I can see the new floodlights and I can see the work that's going on around the stadium. So when fans do come back, albeit um, it may be in, in a staggered effect, um, talk us through the changes that fans will expect to see when they do get back to Adams Park, whenever that may be. Well, uh, you mean, as you drive into the stadium, you'll see that the uh, Chairboys Village will be massively improved. Uh, you'll see the win- the Wanderers Wall as you along the side of the stadium. If you have the opportunity, you'll be able to see the tunnel that brings people into the stadium has all been redone. Uh, we will actually have a portal in the tunnel, so you'll be able to see the players, and th- you'll be able to do this on TV as well, be able to see the players from both sides, the managers, the coaches, as they're lined up in the tunnel before the game, you'll come into the stadium. You'll see, of course, our LED board surrounding it. Uh, you will see, uh, ultimately, uh, little things you won't see. The CCTV that will go all the way down to the foot of the hill as you're walking up so we can make sure everybody's safe. 
Uh, you'll be able to see the floodlights. The, the, you'll sit in your st- seat. You'll have tremendous Wi-Fi, second to none, in any stadium in in the UK. Um, you'll have 65 brand new video boards throughout. Uh, we're still trying to get in the big video boards for the stadium. Um, the list goes on and on. But in each and every instant, oh, the, the audio system will be spectacular. How can you have a rock and roll football club if you don't have rock and roll type audio? And, and we're going to have that and innumerable safety features being incorporated along the way. Uh, so the exciting days, the tragedy is, uh, who gets to see it except for Pete and Matt and, and Neil, you know, it's, and you on, on game days. It's, uh, uh, so, but but the good news, and I always try and find good news, is uh, all of this work is not yet complete. Uh, frankly, it's slowed down a little bit because there's no rush to get it done right now. But we would expect it all to be finished by the 1st of November or thereabouts. And hopefully by that time, people have come to their senses and said, you know what, if you can go to a pub, and socially distance at the pub, you certainly can go to an outside football stadium, which has a safety officer, which has numerous people dedicated to the safety of the fans, stewards to make sure that you don't violate the rules and be able to go see a football game. Uh, what work has been done, really, for, for sort of the, I don't know, say, for example, 25%? Is, is there a plan in place for the club if, if the government do say, right, 25% of your stadium, you know, available from the next home game? Is there a plan in place uh, for getting that in action and, and who would be able to get there? Yes. Uh, ben Griffith, who we hired specifically to work on this, uh, has gone through every permeation he and David Cook, who's our safety officer, Kelly Francis, who's our COVID officer, uh, and, of course, Pete and Matt and, and Neil. But we have it so that it is lined up and ready to go. If they told us we could play on Monday, we have our first 2,344 people in an itemized list. They can be contacted. They can be told where they can sit. Uh, we've done the homework to find out who lives in whose homes and the like and are ready to go. Now, Ben will probably kill me and probably say, I need a couple more days, but, but technically we're ready to go. Fascinating to hear from Rob Coogan. You can hear more of that interview on Ringing the Blues uh, with Phil, uh, his podcast. And do take part in our Twitter poll tonight, asking you whether you think you should be allowed back into Adams Park. Currently, 81% of people are saying yes, um, whereas 19% of people are saying no. You can find it on Twitter. Um, the hashtag is TWWS. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wicked Wanderer Show, we'll be catching up with legendary goalkeeper John Maskill, and we'll be hearing about a great initiative from the Sports and Education Trust. Love music, love talk, love Wickham Sound. Still to come on the Wickham Wanderers show, we will be hearing from Sam White, who is Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust's Head of Health, about their brand new Doorsteppers campaign. Well done, that was harder to say than you possibly imagined, I think. Indeed, yes it was. (laughs) 
But also, we're continuing our theme on uh, chatting with former Wicked Wanderers players. I must say a massive thank you to the Ex-Players Association, JDT and Alan Hutchison, uh, really helping out. Already this uh, this series, we've spoken to Len Worley, who is a legendary winger from the 50s. We've spoken to Crease, Glenn Creaser, of course, who led the club to the uh, Football League as well. And uh, I've also been chatting to John Maskell, who made 753 appearances in goal for the club between 1964 and 1980. I mean, going back to when I was 14, nearly 15, I was quite a big lad and I played for the local village side, Ensham, which is West Oxfordshire. And uh, we had very good side. I mean, in those days, most village sides had good sides because there was things such as transport and, um, of course, the money wasn't around as well. So I played with some really good players at 14 for the Ensham first team, men, and we won things like the County Cup, the District Cup, and, uh, and it was the 57 Cup Final, Amateur Cup Final. And, and again, in those days, people used to get coach loads up from various villages around the counties to go to the Amateur Cup Final. And hence, uh, uh, you know, there was 95,000 there that day when Wickham played. And um, I managed to get a ticket to go and watch them. Well, of course... It was a fantastic occasion for me to watch um, my heroes, really, I suppose. But they lost in the end, and there was 95,000 there. And little did I know, but um, a few years later, I'd actually played with three of those players, Paul Bates, um, Len Worley, and Jim Truitt. So I went on from playing in village football to Oxford United, well, Oxford United was Headington in those days, and played for their youth team, and we had a great run in the FA Youth Cup. And uh, then I went to Oxford City and played there for nearly two seasons. An amazing, amazing coincidence, again, that my first game for Oxford City first team was against Wickham on Boxing Day down at the White House in Oxford, and we drew 1-1. And a couple of years later, I, it was very strange how I actually arrived at Wickham because I was playing for Oxford City, as I say, and uh, a friend of mine who was playing for Wickham Reserves, he said to me, why don't you come to Wickham? And I said, well, yeah, I'm happy at Oxford City. I'm in the first team, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he kept saying to me, look, and he was one of my best mates and we used to go out socially, so... I said, well, I don't mind. So he said, well, come for a trial. And in those days, they had trials. Anyway, I, I went for this trial, and uh, the manager was Don Welsh. I think he was a manager before Bill Shankly at Liverpool. And then he went to Bournemouth, and he ended up at Wickham. And um, I met Don Welsh, and I played him one half, I think it was, and it was nil-nil. I didn't get anything to do. And Don said to me afterwards, well, look, we've got three keepers. So, you know, you're settled at Oxford City, so... Um, we'll leave it at that so I went back to Oxford City and then less than a week before the first game of the season I got a call from Alan saying can you ring Don Welsh and I went to see Don Welsh and um, he signed me on there and then he said look we've got keepers broken his hand or something the other one was away and the other one was down with flu and I want you to play on a Saturday so I played and of course it was a really um top side we were playing at that time, Kingstonians, and uh, we drew 1-1 with 10 men because the captain got carried off after 10 minutes and, of course, there was no sub substitutes in those days. So, yeah, I played quite well, as I was saying myself, and uh, I never really looked back and I played all those seasons from then on. 
and uh, of course under under several different managers. I bet you could have never imagined though that you'd, you'd have been representing the club on over seven hundred occasions. No, you're right. You know, just playing the one-off. And uh, fortunately for me, like all keepers, if you're under pressure, you, you and you get plenty to do, then um, you know you look you look good, sort of thing. So I was lucky, and, I, and of course. Um, the crowd in those days, it was, I think it was over 3,000 even for a game like that. And uh, they were very supportive and uh, they obviously took to me. And um, I was very fortunate. And uh, as I say, you know, all those years, different managers, and each manager that came, to be fair, they all got um, got reserve goalkeepers or squad goalkeepers, um, which they thought were good enough to play. But um, fortunately, I kept my place. So I understand you got quite a quite an injury in a short time after joining the club, but but pretty much never present for such a long period as well. Yeah, I think it was the season I joined. We played played away in the FA Cup. I think it was Walton and Hersham, and uh, I broke. No, it was Hayes. Sorry, I, I correct myself. And um, I broke my leg, well, ankle in a. I suppose it was about the tenth, eleventh minute, and. Um, we got absolutely stuffed because obviously there was no subs and uh, I was carried off to hospital and um, I think Tony Horseman he went in goal and then Keith Samuels, they changed a couple of times but I think we lost by six or seven, I can't remember. And especially over such a long period, you must have such, such great memories and highlights to pick out but I guess obviously the, the FA Cup replay against Middlesbrough in 75 is one that stands out. Yeah, yeah, of course it does, yeah. I mean, uh, although, having said that, the lead, the leading up to it, where we beat Newport, we beat Bournemouth after a replay, um, was quite quite good. But, uh, yeah, it, it, Middlesbrough, when we were drawn against Middlesbrough, we obviously they were top of the first division then at that stage with Jack Jolton. And they had some, plenty of internationals like Soonis and Bobby Murdoch, play for Scotland. They, they were a really good side. Um and uh, it was interesting because Brian Lee at the time, the manager, he he knew Jack Charlton and he, he he knew the football, the standard and everything. And he said to us, I think he, I think it was a bit of a um, a contract really because he said to us, as good as you are, because we did have a good team, there's no question. You know, you'll you'll get a spanking against these because these are no nonsense professional sides. But of course, that, all that did really with the characters that we had in there, so it would spur us on, really, if anything. And uh, we we really should have won. And uh, it was a, it was a slight disappointment for me because it was on the big match. Brian Moore did the um, did the uh, commentary from the boardroom at Wickham. It was on the big match on television. I thought I'd get loads to do, and um, of course. I think I had one shot, and we were we were well on top, and we should have really won. And then, of course, Jack Jolton said, "If we get you on a flat pitch on Tuesday, it'll be a different story." But it it wasn't because we um, we hung on in there, and they scored in the last couple of minutes. I think it was. Obviously, your position of being goalkeeper must have helped. But what do you think are some of the the factors that kept you at the club for such a long period? Well, if you ask me, if I was a manager looking for a goalkeeper, the first thing I do is one look for a character. But somebody who could, um, who was consistent, because doing the bread and butter stuff, as they call it, is the main thing. You know, crosses, coming out, being brave, they're all important things. Flying across the goal, tipping the ball over the bar, and, you know, they come once in three games. And uh, it's, the, it's the straightforward stuff that 
I would like a goalkeeper to be. And certainly consistency is the main thing. I think uh, you give that, if you can give your defenders that feeling of confidence, then um, I think it goes a long way, you know, and uh, you don't have to be flashy. I watch goalkeepers today and I think, well, why did they actually dive? A lot of them will dive and just punch the ball out when they really and truly, if they'd have moved their feet, they probably could have called it. But on the other hand, I sympathise with goalkeepers because they're the people who get the stick if they make a mistake. Obviously, it normally results in a goal. Whereas a centre forward can miss three sitters and, uh, you know, they forget that if he gets the winner and that's the thing. It really seems to be a position as well that Wickham have been so lucky with over the years. Obviously, yourself, the likes of John Granville, Paul Hyde and Martin Taylor, to name but three. Yeah. They've always had good goalkeepers. Yeah. They've always had good goalkeepers. And uh, uh, I think I think that, that says it all, really. That's why they've been so successful, because you can't win anything without a good goalkeeper. You know, you just cannot win anything without a good goalkeeper. And I'll make a prediction now that Aston Villa will not struggle this year. And I made this all three or four games ago that they won't struggle this year so much because they've got a good goalkeeper. And they have got a good goalkeeper. And um, they've just bought this guy. And uh, you you can't win anything. Brian Lee used to say you can't win anything unless you've got a goalkeeper who, who performs consistently. And that's right. But I don't think, um, you know, I don't want to sound like an old player, but um, I don't think there's so many good goalkeepers around nowadays. I really don't. Um, you know, and it seems as though a lot of them are, are continental goalkeepers, and we all know they've always been the same. They, they're quite um, agile and flush, but not so, not so good when it comes to the bravery. Yeah, no, definitely. It seems strange, doesn't it? The, the, sort of the changing style of a goalkeeper seems to be more with their feet now and less with their hands. Yeah, they do. You're right. And um, I'm not so sure I could do what they do. Some of them are really good with their feet. But um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because my, my lads said to me, well, Dad, the difference between playing in goal when you played and now is the fact that the ball moves around, you know, which it does. It's lighter. But I don't go along with that. I mean, I've watched games where goalkeepers have had fantastic games and... Um, because of that, because they're so com- they've got their confidence up, they catch the ball. They actually catch the ball. And this guy I just mentioned at Aston Villa, he tries to catch the ball. I think that should be your first thought. I've always said when I coach youngsters, goalkeepers, is your first thought should be, can I catch the ball? That should be your first thought. Not, I'm going to punch this, because that's, that's the big change nowadays. I think the first thought is, I'm going to punch this to safety, or just punch it anywhere. And uh, that is a big, the big change in goalkeeping, yeah. And why is it that attracted you to the position in the first place? Because I know when I was at school, hardly anyone wanted to go and go. No, that's right. Um, I played actually. I was school captain, believe it or not, a centre half, and um, I enjoyed it on the pitch. A bit slow, but I enjoyed it and got away with it at centre half, obviously. And uh, then I played for the youth club, Engine, and we had a guy there who came to help us out. We had a football side. Um, Ancient Youth Club side, and uh, we, somebody invited this guy down called, you might not remember him, but Vic Rouse, his name was. He was a Crystal Palace goalkeeper, really good goalkeeper. And Vic had come to Oxford United and played for Oxford United for a few games, and then he was coached there. And he came over and he said to me, he said, go in goal. You know, just, just a, would you like to have a, have a uh, go in goal and see how you get on? And, uh, of course, I went in goal, and um, I quite enjoyed it, actually. So 
from that point on, so it was Vic Rouse really who convinced me to go in goal. So from that point on, I played in goal. And uh, as I say, I got into the men's team at Ensham and um, thoroughly enjoyed it. So you mentioned that you couldn't have imagined that you'd have been playing for the club over 700 times, but I guess it would also have been even more staggering to learn that in the year 2000s that Wickham would reach the second tier of English football. Oh, unbelievable. You know, Wickham supporters, they've always been, um, I think they've always been some of the best supporters around, and uh, they really are behind the club. And I think the club, on the other hand, um, actually uh, put something back for the supporters, because if you look at the different eras, the different decades, Wickham have always had some sort of success or been involved in something exciting, and that, that's gone all the way through. Certainly when Martin O'Neill took over, that was a great era, and uh, I used to go and watch, and they had, they had some great players, and he really set the scene. Well, I suppose, thinking about it, the 57 side, then you had the 60 side, then the 70s side, then the, the 80s. Not so much the 80s, but they still reached the semi-final of the, um, the trophy. And then the 90s, as you say, were, were brilliant in the year 2000. And who would have said they got to the semi-final of the FA Cup? Absolutely magnificent achievement that was. And of course, then you got the latest ones where you've got Gareth came in and um, he really has achieved wonders. And, uh, you know, the players... All credit to them. They've got they've got to this um, the championship, and uh, yeah, they've had a bit of luck on the way. I think Gareth would be the first to say that. But they've worked hard, great team spirit, and they've got there. And nobody can take that away from them. And also, they've started off where people are making them favourites for relegation. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? It's a big step up. You know, they've got to get adjusted. I think they've got to start believing they can win games as well. Because once you start on a losing run, I would imagine, not that I've experienced it, but I would imagine it's difficult to change it. But I think they'll come round. I hope they do anyway, because um, they've got a good set of lads. No, it does seem a really exciting time to be, be following the club. And, and talk us a bit through a bit what you've been doing sort of post-Wickham, because I know that you had obviously stayed in the game with, with managing and coaching as well. Yeah, my claim to fame is I... I actually, John Delaney and myself, we took over from Bobby Moore and Harry Redknapp, Oxford City, because they were in charge, and Bobby was the manager and Harry was the assistant, and um, obviously they spent a lot of money and uh, got a lot of ex-pros playing for them, but uh, they they struggled, and um, in the end they, uh, they resigned and uh, John Delaney and myself took over. We were there about, what, 18 months, I suppose, and then I think the money dried up. Although, when I say the money dried up, when we took over, the wage bill was halved. But um, it was very, it was a very sad time, really, when you um, you have to say to players like Phil Veal, who played for Spurs, as you know, and he was a centre-half, I'm sorry, Phil, but we've got to let you go because you haven't got the money sort of thing. And... Uh, we got a load of youngsters in, local youngsters, and some of those went on to do well. I mean, Kevin Durham, you remember Kevin Durham? Yes, certainly. Oh, Kevin, I, I actually, it was strange. I went to watch um, a left-back. I saw Kevin playing, and um, I asked him afterwards. He was playing for Prestil at the time, a local side. I asked him to come down, and he played He played at Oxford City under me, and um, then he went on to better things. He went to Wickham and then went to Barnet, I think it was. 
um, he was a really good player. And it must be feeling fantastic for you to to have, as you say, played over seven hundred appearances and, and to be such a key part in the club's history, which which recently marked one hundred and thirty three years. Yeah, yeah, I'm really proud, really. Um, but I'm just privileged, really, to have played for them and uh, also played with such great great players. And I've played with some really good players that have gone on to make make the big time, really, like Kenny Swain, Bib Busby. I mean, they all gone on to bigger things and. Uh, you know, I've kept in touch with them all as much as I can, and it's, it really is amazing. I, even now, I get calls from, um, you know, uh, Derek Gambling, the right back, rang me the other day. I mean, he lives down the other side of Southampton, just to see how everything was and, you know, have a chat. That's a fantastic story. It's been brilliant to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time, and great to, to share your memories. Okay, thank you very much. Really enjoyed chatting to uh, John, and fantastic. The 753 appearances over such a, a lengthy period as well. Yeah, I mean, a, a huge period of time, if you think from before England won the World Cup all the way through to, to 1980, and then continuing on in football as well. You know, what, what, what a period to, to, to be involved even Emiliano Martes and Villa got a mention just to, to demonstrate how important keepers are for, for clubs. Absolutely, and fascinating that he took over from Bobby Moore and Harry Redknapp at Oxford City as well. Um, thank you very much too, John. That was that was really good. Um, still to come on uh, the Wiccan Wanderers show, uh, we will be hearing from Sam White, who is the Head of Health at the Wiccan Wanderers Supporters and Education Trust about their new doorstop steppers campaign. Love music, love talk. Love Wickham Sound. Who said you can't buy happiness? A healthy pet is a happy pet. So prove to your pet that you're pretty savvy by shopping at Unique Pets. Unique Pets is an online shop offering a wide range of pet supplies delivering in the Wickham area. A leading supplier of raw food, we also specialise in holistic health and natural treats. Get 10% off your first order using the code WICKHAMSOUND10. Why, that's 70% in dog money. Find us online at uniquepets.co.uk. COVID is a virus that likes to spread. By taking these simple steps, you can protect yourself and those you love and stop it in its tracks. Limit social groups to six or less. Keep a two-metre distance between you and others. Wash your hands regularly and wear a face covering or mask. If you have a high temperature, new continuous cough, or your sense of smell and taste changes, self-isolate immediately and call 119 to book a test. Together, we can all stay safe and protect Buckinghamshire. Love WhatsApp. Love Wickham Sound. Use WhatsApp to message us. Just send your message to 01494 449900. Go on, give it a try. Drive time on the multi-award winning Wickham Sound. Trending on uh, social media this evening, uh, World Teacher Day today. Here. Uh, did you have a favourite teacher at school? Mr Barry. And w- what did he teach you? Drama. My innkeeper in the nativity was the talk school for many years. <laughs> Any because, reasons why? Uh, for some reason, even at the age of, I think it was 12, I played him drunk. Um, <laughs> the sign said drunk. And the sign above the, the, the inn was drunken Duncans. I don't know nice. where I got that from. Yeah. Nice. I was the innkeeper as well. Oh, we've got so much in common, and yet we're so very, very different. <laughs> you know the famous line, you know, no room in the inn. Mm. Uh, I shouted it really loudly and bowed. Why did you bow? I'm not, I don't know. Did you think that was your big lie, and you thought you were going to get a huge standing ovation? Well like you'd just, <laughs> Like you'd just sung the big number in a musical. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. There's no room at the inn, I thank you so much. Drive time. What's that? Olivier's, yes. Bring me three. Back tomorrow from four. This is Wickham Sound.
Must give a special mention to uh, Wickham Wanderers ladies, of course, who have their uh, rearranged uh, FA Cup uh, fixture against Comets away on Sunday, uh, owing to the fact that uh, the last Sunday when it was rained off. Oh, because it was meant to be the beginning of the league campaign. Well, yes. Uh, that's been postponed now because of the FA Cup, hasn't it? Yes, so uh, that's in now next Sunday, and we'll be uh, chatting to Captain uh, Charlotte Bagshaw in the coming weeks about that. Must say a special hello to her, because she said she's, she's listened to every show so far. Oh, that's very nice. Hello! Thank you for <laughs> listening to every show so far. Hello, hello to everyone who's listened to every show yeah, so far. Indeed, we, thank we you so much. Grateful. Yeah, Charlotte and the rest of the Wickham Honours ladies train on a Thursday night, so probably... Probably on their way there now. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, uh, we are now going to talk about uh, the Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust. Um, uh, Colin's been catching up with uh, Sam White, who is their head of health, finding out about uh, their new Doorsteppers campaign. Doorsteppers was an idea we thought of at the start of lockdown, really. So just supporting people that might be quite fearful of, of COVID, um, but also feeling a bit isolated, lonely or it might be exacerbating those mental health conditions that they, they might already be experiencing. And essentially we, we um, put in an application to the National Lottery Communities Fund, who very fortunately funded our project. So yet yeah, we are just about to start the project, so we are recruiting now. And essentially it is, it is kind of what it said, says on the tin, uh, that we come to your doorstep and speak to you and sort of give you that a listening ear, helping hand um, and just support you and also give a little bit of befriending really. It's a fantastic initiative. Who, who is it actually aimed at? So it's aimed at anyone over the age of 18. We realise, you know, a lot of sort of befriending services are typically pushed towards older people, but we are doing anyone over the age of 18. You know, it is a national pandemic, so we are sort of trying to help as many people as we can through this difficult time, really. And it must be really nice for anyone of literally any age to, to receive a visit from someone from the Sport and Education Trust as well, to sort of feel like they're in touch with the football club especially. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, obviously, obviously, we have that, that good link with the club. And depending on who you get, if you get myself, unfortunately, I know nothing about football, but definitely my other colleagues do. So, yeah, you can have a good chat with them about the club and, and what we're doing in the club. But again, often it's just really nice to see a friendly face, isn't it? And as you say, someone to, to chat to and, and just pr- talk about things that might be bothering someone or, as you say, if they are struggling with, with loneliness or, or just feeling a bit down. Yeah, most definitely. I think everyone sort of just needs needs someone that they can feel that they can talk to, especially if you if you don't feel like you have that, if you haven't got family close or friends close, then we can try and be that next best thing for you. And obviously our, our staff are all trained um, in mental health first aid as well, so they can really support you through that process and obviously just give you some hints and tips and coping strategies and and stuff like that to sort of help you through this time it must be so rewarding as well for for you and your team to know that you could literally make quite such a difference for someone who you know hasn't perhaps seen someone or had someone to talk to for quite a while yeah it's definitely the uh, the warm fuzzy feeling that we get from our job most of the time really it's just so so nice to get out there and you know for us even just to meet new people and and try and help wherever we can and a really nice way of introducing the sort of work that you do as well, because people may not be aware of the Sports and Education Trust and, and what it is and what, what you do. I think a lot of people know us for our, our school clubs and our uh, elite development academies and all of the sort of kids and football stuff that we do. But yeah, there's definitely there is other sides to us as such. So we have our social inclusion department, education and my department, which is health. So a lot of community work, getting out there and supporting our local community in various different um, projects and activities. So if people would like to receive a visit or know someone who would really benefit from that, uh, how can they get in touch? They can visit our website, 
or uh, they can get in contact with me so through my email so sam.white at wwfc.com and is this quite a long-term project you hope to obviously keep quite a commitment with these people and visit them quite regularly yeah so doorstep itself is a, is a six-month project but it, it filters in quite nicely to another um, mental health project that I run called Keep Moving Forward. So if people still you know, feel that they need that extra support, then we can hopefully get them to a place where they feel confident going to our other group sessions. And then, yeah, hopefully keep them engaged and keep them involved in lots of different things. You know, during this time at the moment, we've got a couple of sessions over Zoom, so an Indian club session and a yoga group. Um, but we also have a walking group, which we are now fortunately able to do face to face. So there are some activities going on in the community that they can get involved in and, as well. And just finally, what's the main message you'd like to get across to people about the Doorsteppers campaign and, and the work that you're doing? Especially with doorsteppers, I think if, if you are someone that is struggling and staying at home quite a lot and feel that you would love to some, for someone to come around and have a chat, then please do get in touch with us. And or if you know someone that you feel is, is getting a bit more isolated and could do with a, a friend and a helping hand, again, just let us know and we can get in touch with them as well. Great to hear from uh, Sam White, who is Head of Health at the uh, Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust. What a fantastic initiative, and, and how wonderful that Wickham Wanderers, and, you know, I know lots of football clubs do these sort of things, but I think it just goes to show how wonderful the football community is, that actually, you know, something that they really don't have to do. You, you know, you don't have to be coming up with an initiative like the Doorsteppers initiative, where, yes, you know, it's basically a befriending service, uh, that you can get in touch with them, you know, if you're feeling lonely... You know, how, how wonderful that, that, yes, that they're doing this in this sort of time um, when you don't have to. You know, we could just be completely concentrating on the football, but actually, yes, we're, you know, we're, we're supporting the community as well. They do so much other great work as well. They've got half-term uh, camps coming up. They do after-school clubs. They do in-school clubs, I think. And as I say, so many other sort of great stuff in the community as well. It's brilliant. It really is good. And I th- it annoys me when football gets bashed, and football obviously gets bashed quite a lot, particularly with regards to salaries and things like that, because actually there's so much that football does that you know that, that various other um, areas of society and employment you know would, would never dream of doing because they think no well, we're, you know we're, it's it's not making us any money so why should we do that but you know wicked wonders yeah okay let's let's do the the doorsteppers campaign great yeah, it, is, it is fantastic so yeah do watch out for uh, uh, hopefully someone coming to your doorstep or someone that uh, that you know might be uh, benefiting from a visit as well uh, this evening on our poll we've been uh, asking you the question whether you think it's time supporters should be allowed back into adams park or maybe you feel it's a little early and uh, perhaps we should we should wait a little while longer while the coronavirus pandemic is still um is still well around obviously well, it's 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 pretty um, damning the results, uh, shall we say? Um, it's ninety point nine percent of people saying yes, definitely we should be allowed back into the grounds. Only nine point one percent of people saying uh, no, it's it's too soon at the moment. So the the consensus very much is yes, let us back in. Um, and the club doing lots this week. In fact, the whole EFL um, writing an open letter basically this week saying that you know that fans should be allowed back into grounds uh, and that it doesn't make any sense really. The the government's current advice uh, that no, though you know grounds are still shut, but yes, you can go into pubs and you can go into cinemas, etc., etc. It certainly does give a very strong argument, doesn't it? That indoor, as you say, indoor um, venues are still accepting people. Outdoor, where it's you know due to be you know, much safer and and as you say, it's, it's 
Yeah, it just seems strange, doesn't it? it? Is, yeah, it, it just does seem strange. It doesn't really add up. And um, particularly then when, when, with regards to the cinemas, and, you know, we had the news this week that obviously Cineworld is going to shut, you know, for, for who knows how long. And straight away, the Prime Minister's response to that seemed to be, oh, everyone must go to the cinema. And you think, well, why, why sort of is there one rule for them? And as soon as you've heard that bit of news, you're saying, right, OK, everyone's got to go to the cinema. Whereas with regards to football, and particularly at the moment thinking, say, of, of Macclesfield Town, and I know that they had a lot of trouble, but, you know, beforehand, but COVID can't have helped at all, you know, and now that, that's a club that, that has disappeared completely from, you know, from football. Uh, you know, why, why isn't somebody like the Prime Minister saying, well, yeah, actually, OK, you know, go, go and support your local football club, we'll allow you back in. I'm not talking about 100% capacity at all, but, you know, 25%, 30%. Even just season ticket holders. Whatever. I don't, you know, I don't see what the problem would be with that. You mentioned it earlier in the show as well. It seems such a shame, or, or quite lucky in a way, obviously, that, that Wickham can financially benefit from being in the Championship, but you do feel so sorry for the team's much lower down in the pyramid. Yes, definitely. And, you know, and Gareth has already said that to me a couple of times this season, is that, well, you know, goodness me, you know, we could have so easily been one of those, actually, that is now financially struggling, you know, had certain things not happened, um, and how lucky we are. You know, yes, obviously, you know, it, 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 it's skill that's got us up into the championship, but, you know, it couldn't have happened in a way at a better time, because, yes, it means that actually we're going to be able to ride this out relatively comfortably, whereas if we were still in League One, I think it would, would be difficult even with the, the Kuhik's investment. Many thanks indeed for taking part in the poll this evening. Uh, fascinating to get your views if you're listening on the podcast and you'd like to get some uh, opinions to us perhaps during the week for us to cover on an upcoming show. You're very welcome to get in touch with us. Uh, you can uh, tweet us uh, at Wickham Sound using the hashtag TWWS. You can email us TWS at WickhamSound.org.uk. TWWS. Did I miss a W? You did, yes. Oh, apologies. TWWS. W, no, I've no, done too no, many now. No, done too many now. TWWS. That's, that's, that's the one. Is that enough W? Ah, uh, yes. TWWS at wickhamsounds.org.uk. Otherwise, it would go to the Wickham Show. And, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't know what to do with it, would they? <laughs> no, um, no. If you are listening, or if you fancy listening to this on a podcast, and you want to hear the previous episodes, uh, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, uh, you can get us via Radio Player, and we're also on Amazon as well. And the same goes for Phil Catchpole and his wonderful Ringing the Blues podcast as well. Many thanks to Phil, uh, as always, for allowing us to uh, play some of his content, his uh, chat with Rob Kuhig. You can hear that in full. Uh, and again, you can get Ringing the Blues on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, or on Amazon. I think they are well worth listening back to as well, because you might think, oh, they're previewing a game which has now happened. Or, But there's, there's fantastic chats with uh, Glenn Creaser, as you say, Len Worley features as well. And always fantastic to hear, you know, Gareth's thoughts and um, um, just the fact that, that you went to Blackburn instead of Blackpool is, is always... Uh, yes, well, I was, I was lucky. I very nearly went to, to Blackpool. Um, uh, one other thing to say as well, if you are interested interested in the doorsteppers campaign uh, just to give you the details about that uh, you can contact sam uh, her email address is sam.white at wwfc.com um, or simply search for wickham wanderers doorsteppers on google and it does come up as the top result Ooh, great work i uh, look forward to uh, your company again next week we'll be previewing the millwall game Yes, fingers crossed. I do think that that's going to be the breakthrough game. That's going to be the goal and the points that we all crave. We'll be having a poll next week for you to say who, who you think will get the first goal for Wickham Wanderers in the 2021 season in the second tier of English football. As uh, we will remain extremely optimistic that uh, points and goals are just around the corner. Daryl Horgan. That's who I'm going for. <laughs> Daryl, if you're listening, uh, Bob will be just around the corner, possibly while you're shopping. <laughs> <laughs>